Church of Christ in Nashville. So uh, give him a hug. And his wife is here. They have uh, recently moved to Portland area. They are redoing the parking lot, right? And uh, he came to see us. So I'm glad he's here. And I appreciate uh, his wife being here as well. Uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We are continuing our march through the book of 1 John. And I've continued to put 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 up for our scripture because that's the point. John wants the readers that he's writing to to be comforted to know that what they believe is the truth and that by continuing to believe that it will spur them and allow them to be encouraged all the more as they face tough situations, as they face issues that may discourage them, whatever the situation that they are in. Sorry, Timothy. Got in trouble. Michael ain't back. My bad. See, y'all threw me off. That's okay. I'm better. Good now? All right. Okay. John the Apostle, in the verses that we'll look at today, brings us back to a thought that we looked at in 1 John uh, chapter 3. If I can get this thing. Maybe. There we go. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, look what it says. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. See, we can look at our life and see where we are. Have we passed from spiritual death to spiritual life in the Lord? We can know by the way we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So this morning, we bring this thought back up. John brings this uh, thought back up in our minds, and we will see why we should be motivated and why we should have a zeal to love each other. We should love because, as we just sang, God is love. Look with me, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Watch this lesson come together. Just stay with me and watch how this comes, and man, what a blessing you'll get from it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The first reason we love is because that's the character of God. It's who he is. That's who we're trying to be like, amen? In everything that we do and everything that we say, we're trying to be more and more godly. And you know, just because we say, you know, I just don't really have a loving personality, that's not an excuse. You don't get a pass because you say that I don't have a loving personality. God is love. 
And if we're going to be Christians and you struggle with having a loving personality, that's what you should be striving to work on. Am I right about it? Everybody has things that we struggle with. Everybody has things that we uh, are maybe not the best at, but that doesn't give us a pass to not strive to be better at those things. And if you practice, and if you try, and if you continue to do whatever your weakness is, you will get better. That's just the way that it goes. But when we love God, then we're like him. It means that we want to deny ourselves for the gain of another. You know, that's what a biblical marriage looks like, doesn't it? Think about it. Our actions are controlled by what will bring gain to our spouse, by the sacrifices and the denying of ourselves. So if we aren't loving each other, then we're admitting that we're putting ourselves first and others second. How can we strive to be like our Father in heaven? We have to have the same love that he does. See, how do we love like God loves? Here's how we do it. We love the people that God loves. You know what John 3.16 says, right? For God so loved the world. Do we love the world, brethren? What about John 15, verse 35, where Jesus said, everybody, and we've looked at this on many occasions throughout this, uh, this book, you remember he says, you'll know, the people will know in the world that you're my disciples if you have love for each other. The way that you treat each other, they're going to know that you're from me and you follow me. Where are we when it comes to that kind of love? A Christian striving to be like the Lord understands God is love. Now, the second thing to consider, we should love because God loves us, don't he? <laughs> I'm glad he loves us. Look at verses 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. God has sent his own God's son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that, we, uh, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 9 shows us how God wants love to be. How does he want it to be? He wants it to be seen. Y'all like the eyeballs? It's not an eye roll. Libby's gotten into, <laughs> Libby will eye roll me on occasion, and it's kind of funny, but this is a side look, not an eye roll. But you can see the love that God has manifested toward us. How? How can we see it? Through his son. That's the whole point that John is making throughout this whole book. I saw this happen. You remember the things, that we he the things that we've heard, the things that we've seen, we want to declare to you because we want you to know that what we hear, we've heard and what we've seen is true fellowship with Jesus and God the Father. 
See, watch the scripture work. In verse 9 it says, in this the love of God was manifested toward us. Well, how was that, John? Because he sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Now look at verse 10. In this is love. How, John? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the satisfying sacrifice for our sins. He came to be the propitiation for our sins. The verse says we don't see his love because of how much we loved him. No, we, we didn't love him and then all of a sudden we realized how much God loved us. No, he's the, he's the one who initiates. What a blessing that is, huh? It says that not that we loved God, but that he loved us. This is so beautiful. We can't just say that we love the Lord. No, he sets up a system. He sets this system up to see if we really do love him. Well, how does he do it? By the way we treat each other. Are we backbiters, brethren? Just be real about it. Are we gossiping about each other? Brethren, are we untrustworthy when it really comes down to it? Are we unforgiving? What about unmerciful? Are we really and truly unloving? We show the Lord how much we love him by the way we treat each other. What God did for us should drive us to the same, do the same for one another and also those in the world. If we would rather talk to the world about the brethren than fix the issues that we have between us, how can we expect the world to see the love of God? Amen? If we would rather talk to people in the world who are not Christians about the issues that are going on in the congregation or in the church in a negative sense and get their advice, how can we expect the world to change? If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That word odd, and we've talked about it before, it means a moral obligation. You have obligated yourself as a child of God when you signed up to love each other. Are we doing it? Are we reaching out? Are we trying to find those ones who we can help? And brethren, we do it. We do a great job here. But can we be better? Think about all the things that are going on outside, and you think about this wall that's coming up. Are we encouraging Mark with this? What a blessing it is for it to come up, right? Are we encouraging? Are we trying to strengthen? Are we trying to help him in any way that we can? I've bailed on him like three times already. I got to work on it. Hey, Matt, you going to come help me? No, man, I got to go. <laughs> I hurried up and left as fast as I could, right? 
Now, I'm more spiritual, not physical laborer, right? Man, y'all a tough crowd this morning. That was, I thought that would be a good one. Tough crowd, boy. Brother White, they usually uh, feel sorry for me and laugh at my jokes, but they ain't even doing it today. This morning, I was hoping they'd help me out a little bit. <clears throat> but if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now watch this come together. We should love because God is love. We should love because God loves us. And we should love because we get that. We get it. I don't have to be told over and over. We get it. I don't have to be reminded of this. I don't have to be uh, preached about it. Matt, I appreciate you giving me those two points. But you know what, brother? I got it. And I appreciate that if you say that to me. I appreciate it if you say it to me. But here's the reality. We forget that, don't we? We forget it. Why is John writing to these brethren? They've got all kinds of false teachers coming in. They've got all kinds of different ways that they're trying to skew the real and true gospel of Jesus Christ. That he didn't come in the flesh. That he really didn't do this or he really didn't do that. He really wasn't the son of God. All of these false teachings and John is coming back to them and saying, no, don't forget it. I saw it. I heard it. I've seen it with my own eyes. Don't forget it. Brethren, are we in need of milk still? Or are we growing in our faith? You remember the Hebrew writer wanted to talk so bad to those Jewish Christians who were wanting to go back into the Jewish way of living. He was wanting so bad to talk to them about the order of Melchizedek. And he was wanting to get so in-depth with them on this understanding of how good of a high priest that Jesus was. But he said, I can't do it. I can't even talk to you about mature things because you're still in need of milk. And by this time, you should be teaching. Where are we at when it comes to that, brethren? Look at verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Verse 12 tells us how we show God we love him. We do it by our response to people. See, think about what he's saying. No one has seen God at any time. Have you? I've never seen God. 
I've never felt God. I've never touched God. We can't see him. We can't feel him. We can't touch him. But watch this one. Y'all ready for it? But when we have love for each other, the Lord's love abides in us. And we show others just how powerful it is. We, have, we get to have the responsibility to show other people the love of God. Man, if that don't make you special, if that don't make you be moved to want to hug somebody's neck, I don't know what will. Because they can see it. They can see those tears. They can feel that hug. They can feel that hand holding you when you're down. Doesn't a big hug feel good when you're hurting? Doesn't a big hug feel good when you're down and out? Huh? When you're sad or you're frustrated, somebody to just come over and say, hey, man, I love you. And if you want to help me out with this, I'll take it. Any color, any way. Extra large is my size. But I love shirts. And I really love those shirts. You guys seen it. Some of the teenagers may have it. It says free hugs. I'll take one. Because I like to hug. And I like to tell you that I appreciate you. And I'm not just saying it. I want to do this. This is what we need to get by. You don't have to hug everybody. You guys know that. Some people don't like to hug, and that's okay. A good handshake or a good conversation or a good text or whatever it is to show your concern. You know what I'm talking about. Now watch verses 13 and 15. I want to read it again. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Verse 13 and 15 tell us when we confess and this is a, a, a concept that is continuing from 1 John chapter 1. It's this continual habit. You remember when John says, if we say that we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ does what? It continually cleanses us, right? What is our habit? Is our habit to walk in the light? Is our habit to can say that I, that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I believe that his, his blood is a cleanser all the time? Well, if I believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God, this way of living, this, this lifestyle, I get it. I get it. And it becomes a way of life for me. 
I don't have to be told to do it. I just do it. When I'm down and out, I do it. If we all have that mind frame, then we're catching people when they're down. We're catching people when they're hurting. We're catching people when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Why? Because God loved us so much and he loved the world so much. Look at what verse 14 says. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. But watch verse 16. John amplifies this message. He says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Think about the way Jesus dealt with his disciples. Weren't they rebuked sometimes? I mean, sometimes right in front of me. You remember? Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. And then he tells uh, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Or he'd say something like, do you still not understand? Love doesn't always feel good, does it? Does it? But does it mean it isn't love? Why do we discipline our children? You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Sometimes it's the hardest thing and you sway on whether you want to do it or not. But why do you do it? Why do you discipline them? Because you love them. Am I right about it? Kids, just know this. If you get a discipline by your parents who are trying to seek to do God's will, it's because they love you. Listen to them. Show respect to them. When we know and believe that what Jesus says is the best, we get it. We get it. When we grasp the love that God has for us, it should automatically change us to love one another. Automatically. Which then proves that you are remaining in God. And God is remaining in you. But when we don't love each other, here it is. We don't get it. We don't get it. Without Jesus Christ, brethren, we have no hope. Without his willingness to die on the cross for our sins, to live a perfect life, to submit himself to all kinds of things that he could have dealt with, he didn't. He opened not his mouth. When we really get that, all he's saying is love each other. Support each other. Be there for each other. Don't backbite each other and gossip about each other as fast as you walk out the door. I need you. 
I need you. Hey, I need you when I'm happy. Hey, I need you when I'm sad. Hey, I need you when I'm mad. I need you when I'm confused. I need you when I'm struggling with an issue. I need you when everything's good. I need you. I can't see God. I can't touch God. I can't feel him. But I can feel you. Oh, ye of little faith. Let's not be that way. Are we missing the point? If we have come to know God, then we understand that we are blessed when we put ourselves second and others first. Amen? The more we let the world dictate our way of thinking and controlling the way that we see Jesus, we'll miss the point every single time. Every single time. John's wanting them to focus their minds back on what it's really about. God is love. And when we abide in love towards others, God abides in us and we abide in him. Why is he so repetitive over this in this book? Why is he so repetitive over this concept of loving one another? Because we need each other. The world's going to love us up to a point. Until I get paid, I'll do whatever you want me to do, man. (laughs) And then I'm gone. Are we developing a perfect union with the Lord? If you had to be honest this morning, how do we measure up when it comes to the concept of really loving each other? Do we really? Do we really? Here's a question that I want you to contemplate for just a minute. If you ain't heard anything else, here it is. Here it is. Do we really want to help each other get to heaven? Or would we be okay if some just didn't make it? (laughs) They get on my nerves so bad. I mean, really? I mean, I love them, but probably be a lot better if they wasn't there. (laughs) I mean, I got to deal with them all the time. It might just be better if they weren't there. Your brother, your sister. Do we really want to get each other to heaven? Do we really want to encourage each other to do the right thing? Or are we waiting for the moment to grumble or complain? Are we ready to lift up or are we ready to tear down? I want to close out by reading verses 17 and 18 and verses 19 as well. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. That is a Greek word for confidence, that we have confidence in the day of judgment. 
Because as he is, so are we in this world. My mind is made up that I know God loves me. My mind is made up that God is love. I get those two points. And because of that, I'm going to confidently walk in this world being just like him. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to try and encourage. I'm going to do all of these things just like God told me to do. I'm going to flee from those things that I'm not supposed to be around. I'm going to stay in the pattern that he set for me. I'm not going to go out of the parameters of what he wants me to do. And look at what it says in verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The Greek rendering of that verse takes out the word him and it says, we love because he first loved us. Do we get it? And I know some of you have been involved in this and you'll understand this example completely. If you had a fire in your house and your family was in there, what would you do? Would you go get them? Why? Because you love them. Love casts out fear. I don't care what anybody says to me. I don't care what, how much I get made fun of. I don't care what the deal is. I'm going to do what God asked me to do, and I'm going to love you like I'm supposed to. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Is the love we're showing toward others a direct reflection of what the Lord shows us? In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 20, Jeremiah had no converts. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It sticks with me forever. Had no converts. <laughs> no converts. Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel, in reference to Israel as a whole. Look at what he says. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he a pleasant child? For though I spoke against him, I earnestly remember him still. This is Yahweh. This is Yahweh talking. He says, I earnestly remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. 
I will surely have mercy on him, says the Lord. Think about the things that happened in that time. Think about all the things in the Old Testament that we learn from the way that people were so disrespectful to Yahweh, to Jehovah. And what does he say? Do I still earnestly remember them? Absolutely, my heart yearns. Of them. How much do we love each other, brethren? Do we get that? Do we get that? If we get that, then our love for each other should abound and abound and abound. Man, we should be loving way more than we love now. And brethren, I know we love each other. I can feel it. I've felt it. I've heard it. I've seen it on my phone. But how much more can we do? A whole lot more. We can be a whole lot better than we were yesterday. Maybe you're here today and this has been something you've been struggling with. Maybe you just haven't been loving like you're supposed to. If you need prayers, if you need encouragement, you can come and we can pray. You can uh, talk to the elders, whatever you need. Make it right today. If you're struggling, if you're living in a life that's not pleasing to God, if you need to repent and you need to turn towards God, do it today. Make your life right with him. Clear the air. Be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But maybe you're here today and you need to obey the gospel. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3, if you do not repent, you will perish. If you do not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. Do you really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me tell you, friend, he's real, and he's living, and he's ready to make intercession for you. He's ready to cleanse you from all sins and make you right in God's eyes. Reconcile. Peter on the day of Pentecost told those Jews who were cut to the heart to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you need your sins forgiven, if you need prayers, brethren, let's do it. Let's love each other more and more. Come right now. Together we stand and sing.